Section 16 of New Arabian Nights by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Pavilion on the Links, Chapter 8. Tells the Last of the Tall Man. Somehow or other, by hook and crook, and between the three of us, we got Bernard Huddlestone bundled upstairs and laid upon the bed in my uncle's room. During the whole process, which was rough enough, he gave no sign of consciousness, and he remained as we had thrown him, without changing the position of a finger. His daughter opened his shirt and began to wet his head and bosom, while Northmour and I ran to the window. The weather continued clear. The moon, which was now about full, had risen and shed a very clear light upon the links. Yet, strain our eyes as we might, we could distinguish nothing moving. A few dark spots, more or less, on the uneven expanse were not to be identified. They might be crouching men, they might be shadows. It was impossible to be sure. "'Thank God,' said Northmore. "'Aggie is not coming to-night.' Aggie was the name of the old nurse. He had not thought of her till now. But that he should think of her at all was a trait that surprised me in the man. We were again reduced to waiting. Northmore went to the fireplace and spread his hands before the red embers, as if he were cold. I followed him mechanically with my eyes, and in so doing turned my back upon the window. At that moment a very faint report was audible from without, and a ball shivered a pane of glass and buried itself in the shutter two inches from my head. I heard Clara scream, and though I whipped instantly out of range and into a corner, she was there, so to speak, before me, beseeching to know if I were hurt. I felt that I could stand to be shot at every day and all day long with such marks of solicitude for a reward, and I continued to reassure her with the tenderest caresses and in complete forgetfulness of our situation till the voice of Northmore recalled me to myself. "'An air-gun,' he said. "'They wish to make no noise.' I put Clara aside and looked at him. He was standing with his back to the fire and his hands clasped behind him, and I knew by the black look on his face that passion was boiling within. I had seen just such a look before he attacked me that March night in the adjoining chamber, and though I could make every allowance for his anger, I confess I trembled for the consequences. He gazed straight before him, but he could see us with the tail of his eye, and his temper kept rising like a gale of wind. With regular battle awaiting us outside, this prospect of an internecine strife within the walls began to daunt me. Suddenly, as I was thus closely watching his expression, and prepared against the worst, I saw a change, a flash, a look of relief upon his face. He took up the lamp which stood beside him on the table, and turned to us with an air of some excitement. "'There is one point that we must know,' said he. "'Are they going to butcher the lot of us, or only Huddlestone? Did they take you for him, or fire at you for your own beau-you?' "'They took me for him, for certain,' I replied. "'I am near as tall, and my head is fair.' "'I am going to make sure,' returned Northmore, and he stepped up to the window, holding the lamp above his head, and stood there, quietly affronting death, for half a minute. Clara sought to push forward and pull him from the place of danger, but I had the pardonable selfishness to hold her back by force. "'Yes,' said Northmore, turning coolly from the window, "'it's only Huddlestone they want.' "'Oh, Mr. Northmore!' 
cried clara but found no more to add the temerity she had just witnessed seemed beyond the reach of words he on his part looked at me cocking his head with a fire of triumph in his eyes and i understood at once that he had thus hazarded his life merely to attract clara's notice and depose me from my position as the hero of the hour he snapped his fingers the fire is only beginning said he when they warm up to their work they won't be so particular a voice was now heard hailing us from the entrance from the window we could see the figure of a man in the moonlight he stood motionless his face uplifted to ours and a rag of something white on his extended arm and as we looked right down upon him though he was a good many yards distant on the links we could see the moonlight glitter on his eyes he opened his lips again and spoke for some minutes on end in a key so loud that he might have been heard in every corner of the pavilion and as far away as the borders of the wood it was the same voice that had already shouted traditore through the shutters of the dining-room this time it made a complete and clear statement if the traitor odelstone were given up all others should be spared if not no one should escape to tell the tale well huddlestone what do you say to that asked northmour turning to the bed up to that moment the banker had given no sign of life and i at least had supposed him to be still lying in a faint but he replied at once and in such tones as i have never heard elsewhere save from a delirious patient adjured and besought us not to desert him it was the most hideous and abject performance that my imagination can conceive enough cried northmour and then he threw open the window leaned out into the night and in a tone of exultation and with a total forgetfulness of what was due to the presence of a lady poured out upon the ambassador a string of the most abominable raillery both in english and italian and bade him be gone where he had come from i believe that nothing so delighted northmour at that moment as the thought that we must all infallibly perish before the night was out meantime the italian put his flag of truce into his pocket and disappeared at a leisurely pace among the sand-hills they make honourable war said northmour they are all gentlemen and soldiers for the credit of the thing i wish we could change sides you and i frank and you too missy my darling and leave that being on the bed to someone else tut don't look shocked we are all going post to what they call eternity and may as well be above board while there's time as far as i'm concerned if i could first strangle huddlestone and then get clara in my arms i could die with some pride and satisfaction as it is by god i'll have a kiss before i could do anything to interfere he had rudely embraced and repeatedly kissed the resisting girl next moment i had pulled him away with fury and flung him heavily against the wall he laughed loud and long and i feared his wits had given way under the strain for even in the best of days he had been a sparing and a quiet laugher now frank said he when his mirth was somewhat appeased it's your turn here's my hand good-bye farewell then seeing me stand rigid and indignant and holding clara to my side man he broke out are you angry did you think we were going to die with all the airs and graces of society i took a kiss i'm glad i had it and now you can take another if you like and square accounts i turned from him with a feeling of contempt which i did not seek to dissemble as you please said he you've been a prig in life a prig you'll die and with that he sat down in a chair a rifle over his knee and amused himself with snapping the lock 
but I could see that his ebullition of light spirits, the only one I ever knew him to display, had already come to an end, and it was succeeded by a sullen, scowling humour. All this time our assailants might have been entering the house, and we been none the wiser. We had in truth almost forgotten the danger that so eminently overhung our days. But just then Mr. Huddlestone uttered a cry, and leaped from the bed. I asked him what was wrong. "'Fire!' he cried. "'They have set fire to the house!' Northmore was on his feet in an instant, and he and I ran through the door of communication with the study. The room was illuminated by a red and angry light. Almost at the moment of our entrance a tower of flame arose in front of the window, and with a tingling report a pane fell inwards on the carpet. They had set fire to the lean-to outhouse, where Northmore used to nurse his negatives. "'Hot work,' said Northmore. "'Let us try in your old room.' We ran thither in a breath, threw up the casement, and looked forth. Along the whole back wall of the pavilion piles of fuel had been arranged and kindled, and it is probable they had been drenched with mineral oil, for, in spite of the morning's rain, they all burned bravely. The fire had taken a firm hold already on the outhouse, which blazed higher and higher every moment. The back door was in the centre of a red-hot bonfire. The eaves we could see, as we looked upward, were already smouldering, for the roof overhung, and was supported by considerable beams of wood. At the same time, hot, pungent, and choking volumes of smoke began to fill the house. There was not a human being to be seen to right or left. "'Ah, well,' said Northmore, "'here's the end, thank God.' And we returned to my uncle's room. Mr. Huddlestone was putting on his boots, still violently trembling, but with an air of determination such as I had not hitherto observed. Clara stood close by him, with her cloak in both hands, ready to throw about her shoulders, and a strange look in her eyes, as if she were half hopeful, half doubtful of her father. "'Well, boys and girls,' said Northmore, "'how about a sally?' the oven is heating it is not good to stay here and be baked and for my part i want to come to my hands with them and to be done there is nothing else left i replied and both clara and mr huddlestone though with a very different intonation added nothing as we went downstairs the heat was excessive and the roaring of the fire filled our ears and we had scarce reached the passage before the stairs window fell in a branch of flame shot brandishing through the aperture and the interior of the pavilion became lit up with the dreadful and fluctuating glare. At the same moment we heard the fall of something heavy and inelastic in the upper story. The whole pavilion, it was plain, had gone alight like a box of matches, and now not only flamed sky-high to land and sea, but threatened with every moment to crumble and fall in about our ears. Northmore and I cocked our revolvers. Mr. Huddlestone, who had already refused a firearm, put us behind him with a manner of command. "'Let Clara open the door,' said he, "'so if they fire a volley she will be protected, and in the meantime stand behind me. I am the scapegoat. My sins have found me out.' I heard him as I stood breathless by his shoulder, with my pistol ready, pattering off prayers in a tremulous rapid whisper, and I confess, horrid as the thought may seem, I despised him for thinking of supplications in a moment so critical and thrilling. In the meantime, Clara, who was dead white but still possessed her faculties, had displaced the barricade from the front door. Another moment, and she had pulled it open. 
firelight and moonlight illuminated the links with confused and changeful lustre and far away against the sky we could see a long trail of glowing smoke mr huddlestone filled for the moment with a strength greater than his own struck northmour and myself a backhander on the chest and while we were thus for the moment incapacitated from action lifting his arms above his head like one about to dive he ran straight forward out of the pavilion here i am he cried huddlestone kill me and spare the others his sudden appearance daunted i suppose our hidden enemies for northmour and i had time to recover to seize clara between us one by each arm and to rush forth to his assistance ere anything further had taken place but scarce had we passed the threshold when there came near a dozen reports and flashes from every direction among the hollows of the links mr huddlestone staggered uttered a weird and freezing cry threw up his arms over his head and fell backward on the turf traditore traditore cried the invisible avengers and just then a part of the roof of the pavilion fell in so rapid was the progress of the fire a loud vague and horrible noise accompanied the collapse and a vast volume of flame went soaring up to heaven it must have been visible at the moment from twenty miles out to sea from the shore at graden wester and far inland from the peak of Graysteel, the most eastern summit of the calder hills bernard huddlestone although god knows what were his obsequies had a fine pyre at the moment of his death end of section sixteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com